You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Ryan McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing today? Hey, Donnie Spiker. It's already too cold to go outside, guys. That's right. Greg Hectus. I don't know. Here in Canada, it was nice. And Steve Thompson. We had snow this morning in western Arizona, so everything's backwards. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. On tonight's show, we'll talk about Ross Chastain's Hail Melon. New content is inbound. We hear about David and Mike's end-of-season big wins this week. You'll get our thoughts on the new SimuCube wheel base. And as usual, we have tons of other hardware topics. Take a load off and join us in the lounge. Yeah, and you, you can join us in the lounge on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show. And see for yourself all these topics we'll be talking about by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So head there, and we'll see you soon. SimCoaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High-quality construction, 100% leak-proof, and a lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they are absolutely amazing. Check out SimCoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. SimCoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car, drive harder, and stay on the limit longer. up to stories and let's talk some coke series recap uh, as the season has wi- uh, wound down with our champion casey kerwin racer.com recapped uh, the event that was held at the nascar hall of fame we have a couple new quotes here and uh, new information i wanted to go over i'm going to read a couple things it was really cool kerwin said of Earnhardt jr presenting the trophy it was also awesome before the race even started when dale came up to all of us and chatted for a bit he came up to me and we talked about the stream and everything like that it was cool for him to be there and come support it of course the trophy is really nice he did a really good job on it to have his name on it is cool and even after he stuck around and we chatted with him he took me and raja karuth up on glory road and checked out one of dad's old cars one of richard petty's old cars he even got me to hop into one of Petty's old cars at one point, which was super cool. It was just cool to hang out and sim racing and the event and everything. It was the $100,000 prize. He did say that his spotter, crew chief, and others who supported him will be getting a cut of the winning. And I wonder, uh, and that made me think, uh, um, do these drivers have a, an amount in place like before the season hey you know if we win or our cut of the championship money you know my spotter's getting x percentage and my crew chief's getting you know y percentage you think that's in writing or is that just something the driver's doing after the fact you know to be cool i would think if they're like a full-time crew chief full-time spotter they're with you 
throughout the majority of the week with your with your practice or putting in a lot of time, I would assume that there's some kind of percentage agreement going into it. Now, if they're signed contracts, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't guess there would be. I mean, maybe once the first person gets burned, then there will be contracts after that. I wonder if they're getting uh, money from their from their teams, from the sponsors. Yeah, could be that part of it too. Um, there was another article as well with some more information. Uh, one particular storyline from the event was the revelation that Bobby Zelensky's has severe scoliosis, a condition that he's dealt with his whole life. Never before something he's felt the need to bring up as he competed for the title five times in the last six years. He said, quote, something I've never talked about with my condition because it's never been relevant, Zelensky said. I was born with severe scoliosis, so I had surgery about 10 years ago. It was like a 200-degree curves in the spine. If I didn't get surgery, I wouldn't be able to be racing for sure. My lungs would be squished because it just gets worse. I had surgery, and the best I could do is 250-degree angles. Some of the spine is metal nails and screws all patched up. With all that considered, it's crazy that I'm doing this. I always wanted to be a NASCAR driver. It just wasn't in the cards for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I noticed something. I don't think I've ever seen him stand or walk before, but watching the show, I thought, oh, I think he uh, has some kind of prior medical condition. And so it makes sense. I hope he wasn't responding to anybody um, being negative or whatever and prompting him to respond in such a way, but... But uh, no, it's good. It's good that he can actually do this uh, uh, with that condition. Well, yeah, Donnie, I don't think you were with us when we watched it live. We had a watch party. And um, when when they did show Bobby come out, you know, because they had a walkthrough of the four guys coming out, I think all of us were surprised that, you know, he, he was limping and, and, you know, he kind of, you know, looked like he favored one side. And I think we were surprised in talking about it because of concern. You know, we, we feel like we know this guy, we watched him race for, for many years now. And, um, and then it was a revelation for sure. You know, nobody knew that he had any kind of condition at all. And so, you know, the first time to see him limping a little bit, you know, uh, I think it was, you know, concern for his well being. like, Hey, is he okay? Yeah. I mean, we've seen video of him done, Dozens of times, but it's of him sitting in his rig with, uh, you know, from the neck up, basically. And uh, you can never spot something like that from that uh, from that camera angle. But, um, yeah, you're right, Mike. When we did watch that live, we we, we thought that uh, something didn't look quite right. And um, I'm glad it's not as bad as it could have been after his surgery. And I'm glad he's able to keep keep doing this, you know. That kind of thing, you know, it's 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 kind of admirable that he ha didn't play that up as a uh, being uh, some kind of um, some kind of a area where he he uh, he might have excuses for for not being as good or something like that. But he's never used that as excuse. That's why nobody's it was surprised us all when we saw something like that. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty stand up thing to do from from uh, Bobby, and uh, you know, it's it's just another reason to to root for him from from here on out, really. Yeah, I mean, he's as competitive as they get and uh, one of the best in the business. So uh, congratulations on ultimately finishing second. And uh, boy, what a what a stat to be in the championship for the five out of six times. You know, that that's pretty cool. Yeah, and don't forget he's been in the, uh, the Porsche Series championships. So, I mean, he's just a, he's one of those guys that is up there as far as 
best overall all-around drivers in in the all right donnie you get the big story the hail melon you know i didn't i didn't get to watch this live with you guys or um on sunday i was at the travis pastrana's uh nrx race here in Glen helen and I saw a tweet or a, a message. I was trying to avoid everything, and I I saw Greg's uh, post that said this is that was amazing, so that bugged me all day until I got home. But I, I watched into the race, and I was like, man, what was he referring to? Uh, I think he's a Chase fan. Chase didn't win. Christopher Bell coming back and winning, and then all of a sudden, I didn't believe this happened until like, man, it was minutes afterwards. I had to go back, rewind it, and listen to what people were saying. But this was absolutely wild. Uh, this was uh, Ross Chastain uh, riding the wall. Uh, he claims he didn't do this in the sim or the factory sim or iRacing, but I guess many people have tried it, and I guess you can do it. But um, this was crazy. What did you guys think? I was in bewilderment, I think was the word I came up with. I was bewildered. I didn't think it was real. It was crazy watching it. It looked like it looked, it looked like a cartoon or Roadrunner or something going across there. When uh, I was in my dismay of Blaney not making it and I – and Hamlin was going to make it. And the announcer, Rick Allen said, uh, Chastain passes Hamlin at the line. I was like, I didn't understand why. Like, I was like, what the heck happened? Oh my God. Um, well, it's an amazing moment for NASCAR. And, you know, Chastain did say that he was playing NASCAR 2005 on his GameCube and had tried this move back when he was, eight years old. I think I heard that in one of his many interviews. Um, and I think he decided to do it last second too. He, he mentioned that too. It's not something that he pre-planned or practiced in the sim or anything like that, but he basically just, uh, you know, dropped a gear and flat footed it all the way against the wall, all the way around and gained past five or six cars and gained a spot right at the line that made the difference. So yeah, drop, immediately, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, drop into fifth gear like he did, and just, and I guess based on the telemetry, he didn't lift at all throughout that entire corner and going about 60 miles an hour faster than everybody else. Um, it just didn't look real, even watching all the replays, even watching it today over and over. It just seemed crazy. I know on a door bumper clear they were talking about it, and they they said that uh, I forget the guy that Chastain trains with. Um, you know, running and mental and physical stress and all that. But they said that uh, whoever trains them, they go over some like really off the wall um, things that can happen during the race and what they can do. And they said when he was at Indy, remember when he did the, uh, when he did the runoff and ended up out front, oh, yeah. you know, and they said that they, that those guys had talked about that, you know, that, that, that is maybe something they may be able to do to try to, win the race so i think immediately on social media i think iRacing everyone's thinking oh this is taken from the sim this is about iRacing iRacing social media jumped in and uh on the some of the nascar posts and the replays and and it was cute um and then immediately we have people on the service uh attempt re-attempting the what what ross did and and it actually came out quite well and almost uh, the perfect lap time too it was a lap record as well it was nice to have uh, steve myers come out and say though right away that this is uh protestable or illegal in official racing so that was nice uh, going back to the actual thing um how how awesome it was 
do you guys want to see it happen again? Are we, I, I only want this to be one and done. Let this be that spectacular moment that lives on forever. And I don't want to see it become a thing. But how do you police it? How do you write the rule? How do you not make it a gray, you know, judgment call? That's the problem. Who knows if it would ever work again either. Yeah, yeah, it's probably got to be the right track, right circumstance. You got to need what you need to get going where you're going. But just erect a statue in the middle of three and four of Ross Chastain near the wall and, and call it quits. Uh, this was, I don't know, this was great. If you watch this in a movie, you would call b- bullshit right away, maybe even walk out. You would be like, this can never happen. And sure enough. I think all of the NASCAR community, fans, drivers, everybody, uh, officials, is kind of in a state of shock after seeing that because it's so unexpected. You expect the car to be going a certain speed in the corner at Martinsville. And you see the speed, like you said, that's 50 or 60 mile an hour faster. The mind doesn't compute. The mind doesn't compute. You know, it it like short circuited my brain. You know, I've been watching NASCAR for 40 years or something and I've never seen anything like it. So I think a lot of people have that feeling that have been watching racing for a long time when they saw that. Well, they got so much play over it too. I mean, all they, they were talking about on all the sports channels, TV, you know, good morning America everywhere. So I think it's really good for the sport of NASCAR. So, you know, kind of positive, something crazy like that happening. You know, bringing it back a little bit to I, I racing here. So we were sitting in the stands at the, the rally cross event and my son had saw this and I told him, do not tell me anything that happened in the race. I don't want to even, don't even answer my questions. And we come home and he goes upstairs and I can hear him pounding the gears away on his rig. And um, he comes back down. He's like, I'm like, where'd you go? I thought we were going to watch the race. And he's like, oh, nothing. And he went, he kept it all the way to the end. He didn't tell me, but I guess he, he tried it as soon as he got home to see if it could work. And sure enough, it worked. Okay. So we were talking a little bit about what to do going forward now. I digress. Tuesday night in practice for Phoenix, I did some AI racing. And during the AI race, I pulled the old hail melon at Phoenix. And guess what? I passed about six cars pulling the move off by the time I got to the line. Now, was the car any good after that? Probably not. But I passed six cars. That was about what he did in that move. So it's doable at Phoenix, boys. Now, if you're one of the cars in front, are you willing to risk the concussion you're probably going to get by blocking just for that championship or p- potential race win? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. So Nick DeGroote um, on the Twitter, he was the first one I saw to put up a video of him recreating the Hail Melon uh, at Martinsville on iRacing. And he ended up with a lap time of 188 I think uh, Ross was an 18.6, actually, uh, which was a new lap record by a lot. And, uh, and uh, it's a, you know, he, he pulled it off. It looked the same, that, you know, from the video he posted. Uh, well done, Nick DeGroote. Then we had Pablo Lopez give the iRacing V8 Supercars edition of the Hail Melon. Uh, what did you think of this? The V8 Supercar at Bathurst doing the jump. To win the race that was crazy that's crazy to watching that that's a uh, well executed i've done this jump before but not in that car um, but he landed it and was able to keep going and actually pass all the cars so 
Kind of neat. I think he's a VRS driver. He's a high-level uh, road racer on the service, right? Yes. Didn't they uh, splice in the uh, the audio from the uh, race on that? It, sound, it seemed like it, right? Yeah, they yeah. had some kind of sun in the sky they spliced in and some other stuff to make it cute. Yeah, at the beginning, it was uh, Chastain's interview, then the jump, and then, then the announcing going crazy. So uh, let's wrap up. So what do we do about the Hail Melon? I mean, we know what happens in iRacing. Like you said, Steve Myers reminded everybody, this is protestable in a, in a race. But what, do we, what does NASCAR do about it? I, I think either Steve or Brian mentioned it earlier. I don't think it works. It obviously doesn't work at every track. It probably only works at maybe two or three tracks, maybe four. But it has to be the right scenario in, for speaking real life, it has to be the right scenario. Nobody's going to come from 10th to 5th again in a in a spring Richmond race. It's just not going to happen. Um, but maybe late October to get in the championship four, you might see it again. Or in Phoenix to win the to win the title. But, um, yeah, to police it, it's going to be tough. I think Joey Logano said uh, if you ride the wall or you're hitting the wall and gain a position, then, then that should be a no-go. I don't know. That seems fair. Yeah, I heard that, and it's something. It's something that'd be easily policeable. Take some of the judgment call out of it. Yeah, and this is obviously going to be a last lap deal. You're not going to recover recover from this. I'm curious what the car was like afterwards. We got to see a visual of it, but I'm curious what tow links and suspension damage it sustained. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's Joey Logano's um, option is probably the best. So I'm curious what damage is done to Denny Hamlin's psyche after this event. I mean, he he always is a choke artist at the in the last part of the championship, and it's happened again to him. I mean, the look on his face, I can't imagine as as Chastain blew by him right at the line. I mean, I I mean, then he was coming and he could see the the checkered, and he was it was right there. And the next thing you know, he didn't have it. Like it wasn't like you you like I said, it, it wouldn't be believable in the movie. But uh, he's been saying all year long that Ross isn't going to win this title. He's going to pay him back. And then he actually beats him. He beats Ross fair and square on the track and drives away from him. And then, like you said, feet from the line gets passed by a rocket. You know, behind closed doors, Denny Hamlin's probably losing his freaking mind. Yeah, I do. I do agree with that. But to be fair, I I think it's a little harsh to say Denny Hamlin choked it. He did everything he would did under the normal parameters of a race to have made that final four. It's just Ross Chastain decided to take things outside of that typical parameter. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't choke this race away. He, he actually beat Ross straight up and it just took a crazy wild miracle on Ross's part to beat him. Okay, so, Brian, you got the new car is the next Yeah, one. so we got uh, a new car announcement, which is really cool. Um, you know, still a little ways from uh, our next week 13, but uh, iRace announced that there's going to be a BMM hybrid V8 um, LMDH coming to the iRacing service. It's um, they, they posted a picture. I remember seeing it when I logged into the UI and it's a, it's a fantastic looking car. Uh, the paint job is awesome. Oh. The, the, you know, it's really sleek and, and, uh, and sexy looking. It's, it's a badass looking car. Um, so it's really cool. Um, something, something to definitely check out if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but um, th- there is some series updates uh, based on this. Uh, so uh, with the European 
uh, Sprint Endurance Series. Once available, this BMW LMDH will replace the LMP1 class as the top tier of that series for the European Sprint Endurance Series. And the Delara P217 LMP2 and the GTE class will remain the same. So there's going to be that's going to be the new top tier of the LMP1 class. And uh, also, it will join the uh, iRacing IMSA and IMSA Endurance um, races. So, uh, yeah, so it, it's going to be going to be a bit out quick. So it's going to be prominent in some of these uh, uh, endurance series. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, uh, they didn't I, don't, I haven't seen anything about an announcement of when it's coming out. I'm assuming it's going to be on the next build, but uh you know, every once in a while, you'll see these come out early. We've seen that happen before in, in some of the stock cars when they came out um, in order to meet some kind of deadline that they want to try to hit. Yeah, I like it. I got the the GT4 and the M4 GT3. I don't have the GTE BMW. But uh, what I like about BMW, you know, they're road cars. Um, their, their design kind of stays the same throughout time. And I like how they have kept the front uh, grille assembly kind of resembling a BMW um, down there. So car looks great. Um, this will look good with that new Sim Coach's wheel, hopefully, uh, driving this thing around. So, um, yeah, I'll probably give this one a go. Um, so the LMP1 is out the door. And then the McLaren GT3 is out the door as well to make room for this. Now, iRacing is going to give uh, some credits to people who have uh, – bought uh, cars that they're not going to use anymore. Uh, anyone who purchased the Porsche 919 or the Audi R18 within 90 days of the release of, of this car is going to receive a $5 credit. And anyone who purchased either car within one year of the BMW will receive a $10 credit. So I guess, I guess they're feeling like uh, we shouldn't be um, pulling these cars that people probably purchased fairly recently without giving them some kind of uh, some kind of uh, credit so i would guess they're trying to get it out in in time for the daytona 24 which you know isn't too far away that's two and a half months um so that would be a guess on a target um if it is out by then i think i want to run it uh mike he's gonna he's gonna ditch our, our non-driving gt team well, I don't know. I mean, uh, it looks pretty nice. Like you said, it's an amazing looking car. I don't know if it's a paint job or just the style, but it definitely looks next evolution. I don't know much yeah. about these series because I don't road race much, but um, is there are there other vehicles in this LMDH? Oh, this will be the first one, I think, in the, in the category, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I think, I think Ferrari's got one coming. I don't know about iRacing, but Ferrari's got one coming out. There's a few manufacturers out there that are that are releasing these. That's right. We saw a picture of the Ferrari one this week, but there's no mention of iRacing. Now, BMW definitely uh, is in close collaboration with iRacing, according to them, for the BMW. Okay, Steve, be, how uh, about... Uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I'd be uh, really uh, stoked to see what uh, Bobby and Simraps do to paint this car. I think they'll they'll do an awesome job. That's right. All right, Steve. How about this one? How to gain I rating in NIS Martinsville? Wow. <laughs> this one kind of comes close to my heart. Um, yeah, Jordan Worth um, 
he he said he made 100 pit stops in NIS yesterday, only driver with zero incidents, and I kept gaining spots even after the race was over. I watched this, and he was after he crossed the line, he he was he was like sixth or seventh, and then he he thought he'd. He he did such a great job. He did d decide to do some donuts um, there at the start finish line, and he was gaining more spots. I think he ended up fourth or fifth o overall, even after the checkered flag. So I this kind of hits hard hits my heart a little bit because I tried running the Sunday um, open race, and the first 38 laps we had zero green flag laps. So. Uh, I can understand how, how he did it. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I ended up just leaving. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> it's crazy. It's such a shame. I didn't even give this week a go. I didn't even entertain the thought of racing this week because uh, all your guys' stories were horrible. Yeah, see why I, I gained gain, gain positions by leaving the race early. <laughs> I left the I race actually, and gained positions. I actually used my other account because I was afraid I was going to lose iRating. <laughs> So a hundred pit stops, it's gotta be a record in an NIS race that's not full distance. Think about that. I mean, thirty I heard thirty-two cautions from somebody with is one split. Let's say they had thirty-three cautions. That means he had to pit three times every caution to get to a hundred. So so imagine that every time the caution comes out. He's rolling on the pit road. I guess he's not making changes. He's not taking tires or fuel, but uh, he's he's literally pitting three times every caution. Probably when it first opens, the two to go and the one to go, he's pitting. I thought maybe he was pitting under green for no reason, just to stay out of the mess. And probably, you know, there's cautions are coming out. You're never going to go a lap oh, down. Maybe you'll, he get did. Lucky, you'll, you'll get lucky dogged your way back to the front of the pack pretty much every time. It'd be like the green flag drops and then you just run in the pit road and gain five points spots. It's, it's probably a way to keep it interesting too, instead of being frustrated, just driving the pits all day. Yeah, good point. And that's a lot of a lot of, a lot of laps for your I rating because that's based on turns, right? Or your uh, safety rating. All right, I got the weirdest glitch. Daniel Gray posted a video of a glitch in prediction of a disconnected driver going full throttle through us like a steam train, and so it shows the guys are lined up for a restart here, and one of the cars that's further back, it just stepped on the gas and starts plowing through the line of cars in front of him. And uh, he's making connection with each one of them and literally runs over uh, four cars in a row and, and takes the lead. Yeah, that's interesting. I've seen that happen a few times and I'm always curious on what the heck happens, but, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see this too often, luckily, but um, it always is uh, frustrating when you do. Is this like the road version of a carb cup get wrecked out early? <laughs> And unfortunately, it's just, you know, obviously glitching the system. That driver's no longer there, but his car still is, and it's just cruising through everybody. So uh, I'm not sure. Does iRacing have a, a, some kind of predictive uh, thing where they, uh, they predict where you're going to be if you've actually lost contact and connection? I guess it would be uh, like Netcode, huh? I mean, that's what Netcode is, is predicting where you're going. I think that's what he's saying happened here. The guy like was completely gone, but yet his car is still on track rolling around. 
yeah, the two or three times that I've lost connection while racing, I um, just kind of hang a right, even though if I don't know if I'm still in the service and hopefully I can ride the wall and um, come to a stop and nobody's going to get into an incident. But um, yeah, it's always crazy when somebody drops out. Sometimes they just disappear. Hey, how about the Super King Snake Esports Homestead eNASCAR setup, Brian? Yeah, this was actually uh, tweeted out by Jimmy Mullins, who's uh, you know Coke Series regular, and uh, he posted his um, his Homestead eNASCAR uh, setup. So apparently, this is the and it's for free. I should say you can probably buy him otherwise, but it's it's the actual his actual setup from the homestead race for the coke series and those guys do so much testing and and so much uh put so much time in these setups you know it's a setup that you is has been really really well well refined to what it is um now the only thing is is if your driving style is different from his you might have struggle with it i imagine some of the coke drivers race a little loose to to be fast but um but you can you can uh you can follow him on his twitter and and put in his settings for his uh series race yeah this is really cool um i screenshotted this on a rainy day i'm going to give it a go and like you said brian we're all different so who knows if this is going to help me out but i want to compare it to my last set i ran there i actually had a decent set i ran pretty well and I want to put this in there, run the same line, everything the same, uh, utilizing stint analyzer, and uh, see if it's any different. If it's marginally better, then I want to go through the settings and actually kind of research what they do specifically. I bet you can find it in the numbers there uh, to your own sets and see if you can improve that way at each and every track. But um, it'll be interesting. I actually can't wait to try this out. Let's reverse engineer it, right? Have have you tried this uh, setup, Mike? No, I haven't. There was some kind of hubbub going on the Twitter amongst the Coke driver community. Something about somebody sharing setups and people were making fun of it. And I think this was in response to that. But I I kind of I'm not quite in those circles, and so I I didn't quite figure out what was going on. But I thought it was cool he posted a set. Hopefully, it's legit and it's not a troll and it's not a complete garbage troll. <laughs> That would be funny, but one of the other things I was thinking is that you know does this does this indicate he doesn't think his set's going to be usable next year as a baseline or anything like that? Does he think those tracks are going to be different next year, or maybe the car is going to be different? So he's not worried about giving this information out. Well, I mean, how often are we using old sets? Never, even Never. though we have yeah. on file everything. I mean, I'll go back to an old set just to see if it <laughs> happens to be better than the one I'm using currently. But um, you're right. It always seems to evolve. Times of year, uh, weather, all the good stuff. Okay, Donnie, can't wait for the new restart zones. Yeah, so I watched this shameful video that was posted by Justin Mons on Twitter. And it just shows a Martinsville race. It looks like a truck race. And the leader of the race is essentially slowing down the field. And at Martinsville, it's tough. The restarts are tough in general. And he waits till maybe 50 feet before the line before he takes off. And um, this guy, Justin Mons, he said, can't wait for the new restart zone to take effect after a horrendous restart in the official races. And uh, yeah, I got to agree with him. You, um, I, this one in the video is pretty bad. Uh, sometimes the leader will take off right before turn three when the pace car ducks off. And then that's kind of rough as well. 
or you're in the middle of the corner and you got to restart. So Martinsville just in general is a rough restart zone if you're you're not the leader. I mean, you're kind when you just said he slowed. I mean, he really slowed. Like he he knocked her down to 25 mile an hour or something. He didn't really get an advantage from it either. No, not at all. Is that protestable if you're in that race? It is. I think it is, right? You're yeah, to absolutely. Maintain uh, the yellow flag, the speed, pace car speed until you come around. You can be protested just for slowing like five mile an hour or so. Um, this guy slowed way more than that. And um, yeah, I hope he did get protested. Yeah, everybody was stacking up behind him. It was it was terrible. That's are there move? Are there new restart zones coming out? I mean, I hadn't heard anything. They're in. They're not in official, but they're in hosted and leak. And so they're in AI the rules too. for that. They're in AI, and the rules for that yeah. um, part of it is maintaining the, pay, the the speed. Like it's policed by the the officials during the race, unlike it is currently in official. Oh, I didn't real, realize that. I'm always, <laughs> I've always just done, I've always done the restart zone like it was in the uh, league races. Right. So you won't have any problem transitioning over. But, you know, I mean, now that you're starting to run uh, these NIS and um, open races, Steve, you'll see the stupidest restarts all the time on a regular basis. What's your guys' strategy for restarts? What do you guys usually do if you're the leader? Go early. If I'm the leader? Especially at Phoenix. I mean, I'm, I, I try to anticipate. I, I pay speed and try to anticipate when the flag comes. I usually, you know, if unless I'm started on the pole, then I'll, I'll kind of keep an eye out where, when the flag comes out in relation to where where the car lead car is on the track and try to try to time it based on that. But, you know, I don't jump it early, like, you know, way early or or anything no i did last night i had several times i led the restart at phoenix and after the pace car ducks on the pit road we're on the old back stretch i just take off somewhere in the middle of that and i leave them four or five six car links back i had a huge jump it was it's a huge advantage as a leader and it's totally legal yeah the last race i won it was a truck race i think at atlanta or charlotte and uh, i did the same thing uh, but recently, within the last like six months or so, I've been waiting to the actual zone. I don't know why. I just uh, keep the pace up and then wait till the actual zone, pick a spot in there and go. Um, so maybe I'm just preparing myself mentally for the restart zone to come. That's what I'm thinking is that's that's the thing. When it comes, I'll be ready for it. I'll, I'll be ready to use the restart zone. I'm ready for it. And that's one reason I wanted to bring this up this week to remind us, hey, this is still out there. Why isn't it inofficial? Let's get it inofficial, man. Let's get it. I mean, the season's over now, but let's get it for next year for sure. Yeah, definitely for next year. I'm just wondering if they're just checking to see if there's any glitches they didn't know about and putting it out there for testing in those, those other series. Yeah, that's probably it. it. It probably will be here by February, I bet, if it has to be a mid-season patch. Yeah, we did see some glitches when it first came out, especially if there was a, a crash on the uh, first lap. Okay, Steve, how about wheels and wrist? Yeah, this is a uh, official statement from the SCRL administration after Sunday Saturday night's race at Daytona from the uh, Stock Car Racing League. After the vicious crash at the end of the last night's 
race had Alice Alisa Pelletier shaken up with a broken wheel and a wrist fracture after re the retaliation from Sam Benson. The SCRL administration is still communicating with Pelletier to assess the situation, but has been checked and released from the hospital this morning. Sam Benson will be penalized with a removal from the season three playoffs. It was breaking news on Facebook. No pun intended there. I'm curious what will she had. Um, it'd be nice to know. Hey, Steve, when you had your league, did you ever think one day you'd have to be doing press release type posts to social media? <laughs> no. <laughs> Ours are always good stuff. Not stuff like this, no retaliation. They would have been gone when we wouldn't have put it out in the open. I mean, this is borderline like a like a professional press release here. So is he removed for retaliation or is he removed because she got hurt? Or both? I'm assuming it was uh, the retaliation was in such degree, obviously did something to her wheelbase to cause it to do that. But it probably was just not your typical retaliation. It could have been her park there and him coming at 180 miles an hour and ramming into her or something. But it probably was something egregious. Hopefully, hopefully it wasn't the uh, new uh, TX128 or whatever it is. T128 wheel <laughs> broke her his wrist. All right, now that makes sense because it does say broken wheel. So what wheel would break? So, I mean, when we go sim racing, I think we all understand that, you know, we could end up with a, a sprained finger, a sprained thumb, a sprained wrist, a wrist fracture. I don't know about that, but apparently. Um, but, I, you know, I think we all know we're using it at our own risk, right? It's like you can't. Like if I got my finger caught up in the wheel because somebody ran into me, I don't know if I'm blaming the other person necessarily. I blame myself for not keeping my hands out of the stupid wheel. Not true. Just curious on what the incident was and and everything. I mean, if it was just a basic, I don't know. It would have, I'd have to see the video. It'd be nice if they'd post it so we can kind of see right. what it was like. Like if it was like she was stopped and... This guy just ran in, ran into her at 200 mile an hour. You know that that's pretty brutal. You know I've I've been hit like that before after a, a you know a hosted race or something. The checkered flags over, you pull over, and then some bonehead runs into you later. Um, and it, you know it can be shocking, but you got to be smart and not have that your hands on the wheel. You know kind of thing. And that Brian, you mentioned in your motion rig. I mean, when somebody does that to you in, in a motion rig, uh, it can be a little jarring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you you get that. I mean, it doesn't have, really even have to be that hard of a hit. Sometimes just getting bump trapped at Talladega or Daytona, it'll it'll shake you up a little bit. That's cool. All right, what else is cool is a special event at Mount Washington. And I, the first thing I want to know is why didn't I know about this event? <laughs> I I didn't hear about it before it happened, but iRacing did uh, post up on the socials some video of it including the fast time of the event by christian steenberg uh in onboard where he did a 458 uh 721 and it's out mount washington going up the mountain i assume he's in a rally car but it doesn't show but boy this video really gets my juices flowing again to try this track uh and get back out there 
I mean, you can pour just tons and tons of hours of practice into trying to learn it. And you can tell this guy has because he is flat out going on it. And and like one little mistake and he's in the he's in the trees. Yeah, you at at the speed he's going, one little mistake and that's it. He's done. He's, you can't you can't save it at that at that speed. Yeah, Mike, it's not on the special events calendar, so that's probably why you missed it. So that's a little disappointing. Um, if they're gonna, I don't remember them adding anything throughout the year either and updating that, but it could be on me not not going to that forum and paying attention. But I just double checked the the calendar from page one of that uh, the special events uh, calendar, and it's not on there. So I I would uh, I'm there with you. I'd have jumped in something and gave this a go. Well, and and that's the thing when you're trying to be real fast like this, like this guy is the way you practice it is you just go up as far as you can until you do run off and then you reset and you do it again and you do it over and over and over and, and eventually you get higher and higher up the mountain without wrecking. And so that's kind of how practice rolls. Hey, Donnie, you weren't with us when uh, this track came out. Did you, you have this one? Uh, no, no, I don't. Um, you don't have mass, you don't have Mount Washington. No, but if I, for the special event, I might have given it a go depending on what car I wanted to try taking it up there. But it just seemed like a lot of fun. You guys talking about it when it first came out, but, um, after that, I didn't find a real reason to, to want it, to buy it. Um, but if I know they're going to be doing like maybe quarterly or once a year, twice a year, special events, heck man, that I'll, I'll give it a go. If I, you know what? I don't know if this is in response to it. It probably isn't. But a couple of weeks ago, we brought up the participation of this uh, this track and how we know nothing of it. But uh, apparently, there was. And here it is. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. If you speak it here, it could happen, I guess. So this was a iRacing sponsored special event, right? It wasn't just something that someone else. Um, it doesn't say held. so. Yeah, it doesn't say specifically. Yeah, I don't know if it, it might not have been an iRacing sponsored race. You know, well, it's from the iRacing Twitter account, iRacing official, and on board with uh, Christian as he sets a crazy fast time during the hashtag Race to the Summit special event at Mount Washington. So, I mean, that's through their account. All right, let's jump to current events. Brian, a reminder about the upcoming winter NIS. Yeah, so the winter NIS season is going to start right after the NASCAR season wraps up coming up. Um, it's going to be the uh, same times as the regular NIS, uh, except it's going to be the 87 cars. So it's going to be those guys racing. Um, some of the tracks are some of the classic tracks rather than the newer updated version like uh, – like Daytona, they use the uh, the older version of Daytona and some of the other older tracks. Um, uh, so, and they throw in some of the uh, some of the classic ones, like North Wilkesboro, uh, the Phoenix. The Phoenix race is actually the legacy track as well. Um, you know, uh, of course, Darlington's on there, and uh, Nashville, uh, Hickory's in there. Um, my uh, Watkins Glen Classic, which is uh, without the bus stop. So that'll be really interesting in those cars. So, yeah, so um, it's, uh, again, it's the 87 uh, cars, the Buick, the Sabre, Ford, Thunderbird, Chevy, Monte Carlo. And they have races just like they do in the regular NIS that's wrapping up here. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'm probably going to make um, my, the majority of my starts on Sunday morning. Uh, some Fridays I'll have to, to make that happen. But uh, yeah, I painted up my 87 car and it's ready to go. So when the season starts, I'll, I'll be there. I think I'm going to run some as well. Not sure when, probably Wednesday or Friday. 
Um, but yeah, the, I, I'm looking at that first race, Daytona, old Daytona. Oh, that's bumpy, boys, in 87. That's going to be a wreck fest. And then, Brian, how about the Suzuka 10 hours? Yeah, so uh, next up on the special event calendar is the uh, Suzuka International Racing Course, Suzuka 10 hours. Um, it is going to be held on August 20th. Uh, start time is 8 a.m. So it's going to be 30 minute one on sessions, eight and a half minute two lap or eight minute two lap qualifying um, with dynamic rate weather, dynamic skies. Um, so um, the splits are by I rating. Uh, there is a minimum two drivers for this uh, race, so you'll be switching back and forth with a minimum of two drivers, uh, no DQ limit. Um, feels the the cars are the um, are the GT3s um, with the Audi R8, the BMW M4, the Ferrari 488, 4GT, um, Lamborghini, Huracan T3, the McLaren MP4. Mercedes AMG GT3, Porsche 911 GT3. Um, so, and there's going to be a balance of power uh, adjustment before the race comes out. I like it. 10 hours seems very doable for what, two or three people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even two is not horrendous. You're still uh, marking a day off for yourself. I, I plan on doing the 24 this year with you guys, but I'm looking up at the, the incident points. So, a question about that. Um, it says 40 incidents, you have a drive through pit uh, limit and then every 20 after, is that per person or, or is everybody's incident points attributed to the car? Car. They're all overall. attributed to the car. Um, your individual incident points count towards your individual safety rating though. So if, if you race, if you race with a teammate who, who knocks out 200 incident points, you don't get dinged if you have zero on yours. So it's all individual for your safety rating, but the uh, the accumulation for the penalties for your whole team. I thought forty. That was awfully high. Like, I, how do you get how do you get to forty? Yeah, just to weed out the the newbies, you know, that are in there that shouldn't be. There's a new set of pedals entering the market, and they look promising. Sim Coaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to feel the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code IRACERSLOUNGE. You won't regret it. All right, podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review of your on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. We are over on Discord at iRacers Lounge. Get it. If you were in there this week, you got some sneak pictures of my new hardware as it was coming in. We have a website, iRacersLounge.com. We are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and the Sim Racing Channel on Roku TV. Fantasy. Guess what? Greg Hectus wins Martinsville Fantasy. 
Congratulations, uh, Greg. Yeah, nice job to Greg Frozen Cactus Hex. So good job, Greg. Um, nobody else from the Tafosis in the top 15. <laughs> so uh, 21F finished second for the week, and Silver Mustang 91 finished a third. Overall in the overall series standing, Hulk uh, continues with his lead. He's up to an exactly 100-point lead going into the last race, so he's not going to get caught in the overall league standings. Scotty Boy, who's in second, um, and Ray J is in third, 21F fourth, and last year's winner, Res Dog, is in fifth for the overall league series standings. As we head to the last race of the year at Phoenix International, um, Greg looks like he's going to take the team championship for Tafosi. He's in uh, 11th overall. So uh, Greg's going to take that one home. Uh, Tony, Tony Groves had a, had a down year by, by his standards quite a bit. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Greg. He much led the way for team Tafosi and led the week. And you think uh, you can call the championship this week, um, Brian, for louder racing? Well, I mean, unless he puts in picks, I guess he could lose. But, uh, you know, considering most most uh, races are won by uh, in the 200-point range and he's got a 100-point lead, uh, I, I don't think anybody's going to catch him. So I'm pretty sure he's going to win. It's just a matter of time. All right. Well, we'll announce the winner next week's uh, show. Uh, winner's going to get a trophy. It's going to be cool, too. All right, so what are we going to talk about for Phoenix, for Fantasy, or NASCAR? Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'll give you mine first. I think we want Ross Chastain to win this because, you know, cue the circus music. It's been that kind of year, you know, uh, in 2022 with NASCAR. And every week there's something different. Uh, why not? Let's let's have him win it uh, after you know, the, the crazy move that got him into the final four. Yeah. I'll probably be going for Logano as a, as a teammate, but um, I kind of want Chastain to win just for how everything's gone this year. He has that, uh, he has that attitude that uh, he just doesn't care what you think about him attitude, which I really appreciate, but I'll be there. I'll be there all weekend. Um, I'm super excited for Saturday. Um, hoping Josh Berry can get a win on Saturday. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Be on the in the infield all day Saturday and going to the obviously the race on Sunday. So hopefully it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm rooting for Chastain too. I hope he wins it. Underdog. So I'm going to be rooting for, uh, rooting for Christopher Bell. Uh, I've always liked him. I used to. I remember watching him when he was in the Chili Bowl, tearing it up year after year. He was he was winning for several years so um to where i started first getting on the christopher bell bandwagon and uh you know he's he's uh he's come a long way this year he's won two elimination races to make it to this stage so i know i know ross grabbed all the highlight all the headlines for this past week um but if it wasn't for that crazy move, Christopher Bell would have been the big story by winning two two elimination races. You know, he had no no chance of pointing his way into those next rounds, and uh, when his back was against the wall, he uh, he actually uh, came out with two wins. That's that's crazy, but considering how tough it is to win these races and how how few time, few drivers have had multiple uh, race wins. It's just really amazing. Yeah, he had a he had a decent start to the to the playoffs as well. And um, but I hope 
this past weekend and him getting in here is kind of like a catalyst of now he's he's here now and now he's just going to shoot forward. And um, he was by far, I don't want to say by far, but he was uh, Toyota's best car this year. So, and at times, yeah, he had great qualifying. They wouldn't show up in the race. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of a Christopher uh, Bell fan as well. You got to look at history with Toyota. I mean, every time they got a driver, they they discard them. I mean, you look at Carl Edwards, you know, Matt Kenseth, you know, look at Matt Kenseth, for example. Yeah, he, hopefully Bill's making it a hard case for them to discard. But with their shakeup going on, it's going to be hard to dump people for a while. Well, I have a feeling their 18 car next year will be around for quite a while, their driver. You know, they haven't announced it, and I wonder if there's a reason behind it. Um, I wonder if sponsors are like, or maybe there's some pushback there. It was interesting what uh, Dale Jr. said on his podcast talking about Ty Gibbs. <laughs> he said he probably wouldn't let him run this week. Yeah, well, you're looking – yeah, that's – you're looking at the junior as being, you know, knocking your teammate out. If, if you're a car owner and you're not the kid's grandfather, you probably would be really, really upset and, and might take a step like that. Uh, kid, yeah, when it's, when it's family, kid. it's a little different, right? Yeah. Especially with that kid. I mean, he, he's not, he's not looking at the big picture. I mean, he could have had two Gibbs cars in the finals instead of three junior cars and him, he might not make it all the way through the race. You know, I, uh, I worried about him throughout the career so far Then when he was on Dale Jr. Show earlier this year, I was like, Oh, you know, I actually gained some respect listening to his story. But after Saturday, man, that, then I got to see something in him that, it's like he doesn't understand reality. I don't think. I don't think he has a full concept of, of the real world in essence. But uh, yeah, that after, before Sunday, Saturday was crazy. Like I couldn't believe what I saw Saturday. Never seen a teammate dump another teammate in that fashion, like that. It was just out of control. Did Did you see Austin Hill smack Myatt Snyder? That yeah, was, that was that pretty was, good shot. <laughs> Uh, they keep saying there's going to be like criminal charges and whatnot for how, because how hard he hit him. But that was, that was crazy. Well, I don't want to stick up for Ty Gibbs, but how many teenagers do you know that, you know, have it all together kind of thing? I mean, when you're 19 and 2022, you know, I'm not making excuses for these kids, but they don't have a lot of common sense. You know, they don't have the big picture yet. You know, I, I think Ty like you said, he doesn't have a big picture concept of it. All he's thinking is, man, you know, me and him have been hitting each other, you know, four or five times. He's not finishing this race, you know, and, and that he got that in his head and, and that he thought that was the right thing to do. And you could tell by the way he acted after the race, you know, he wasn't upset about what he did. You know, he was happy that he won the race. And that, I don't know, there's a lot, there's some common sense there and some good judgment that, uh, he doesn't, doesn't have, uh, I don't know. Very strange. I have a, I have a coworker. He has a 17 year old son who's rated very highly in the, the baseball prospect world. And he's most likely going to go first round next year. And he's already committed to college. And I've known him since he was 11 or 12 and, um, just being around that kid and, and, uh, the maturity level it takes to, to be that successful at something at that age um, is impressive. So I always thought that about Ty, like, but now seeing it Saturday was just kind of a, 
a weird turning point for me. Seeing, listening to his interview, like he had no remorse. Like, I don't even think he gave two shits that what he did. And um, it's just wild. Yeah. So, Grandpa's boot camp, this is how I would do it if I was Joe. Kai, uh, you're going back to the Xfinity uh, series until you learn some manners. And uh, I'm going to go hire Greg Biffle or somebody to run this car for a year. Yeah. And it's got to be sponsor problems, too, if that happens. I mean, they're like, we need you to get back to the Xfinity series build the sponsor relationship back up and maybe win a championship and mature a little bit and then, and then come on up. Cause they should have announced it by now that he's in the 18, who his sponsors are. Um, it's just, it's just crazy that it hasn't happened yet. I think they should send him back to the truck series. He'd never run the trucks. That'd be a good experience for him. I want to root for him. I think he's a hell of a driver, but man. I do too. I don't mind rooting for him sometimes, you know, I mean, this week was a little disappointing. Um, and he's, and, and not only the maturity, but he's kind of been silver spoon the whole way. Uh, I'm not trying to use that as a, uh, you know, as a, as a slight against his talent, because I think he's very talented. Um, um, but the but the, the silver spoon part that I mean it's just that he hasn't really had to struggle to get where he's at. If he was fat, if he was good enough, he was going to move. If he was good enough, he was going to advance, and he's been doing that. And there was no way he was going to struggle to to um, to get to that point. He, it was just going to be a matter of whether he had the talent, not necessarily the um, the uh, the um, the hardship to get to that point. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, he's always had a good team coming up. He's always had a family car, yeah. you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, uh, curious where if Monster sticks around. Uh, I understand why they they sponsor um, Riley Hurst. They probably have some kind of deal with all the gas stations they have in Nevada. The Terribles. We have some out here in California now, and I think you guys have them in Arizona. But uh, I'm curious if they stick with him going forward. I know they got they got Deegan through through her dad's relationship with Monster from all those years. So I'm curious if if monsters, one of the big holdups and they're saying no, I I'd be surprised if he has trouble with a sponsor, to be honest with you. Cause you know, he's going to have a good equipment. He's going to have fast cars and you know, the camera is going to be on that car for, you know, and you know, he, as long as he doesn't do anything, you know, what he did racing wise was pretty egregious, but he hasn't done anything on the legal or any kind of side like that, where a sponsor would be really wanting to jump off. They want the eyes on the car and, uh, you know, it might not be, you know, there's, there's no, no such thing as bad publicity type of sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's weird to listen to him talk. I was listening to their interviews today from their little press junket they had. And no matter what question he gets asked, it seems like he has, and I don't know how he does it for being so young, but he fires off like a pre-rehearsed line, like immediately. And it's like his brain can pick out which line he's supposed to say. I heard that today. And I think it was uh, Ben Rhodes actually jumped in the interview and asked him about walking on water. And he came back like quickly with some robot response. So I don't know if that's going to turn sponsors away or, or make him happy or what, but he, his personality's a little off too. Well, I'm sure they trained him very hard on the media relations side of it leading up, especially leading up to this week, you know. He's probably spent more time in front of a microphone than behind a wheel getting ready for this week. Actually, after qualifying on, uh, was it Friday, was the first time he seemed like he had a personality at all. Just have a canned response, but I guess since uh, his actions on Saturday, that's probably over for a while. 
Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Where software brought to you by Supreme 3D Printing. Are you looking for that next sim rig upgrade, or maybe your man cave needs a little more style? Or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items that are sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, feel free to contact us for your needed item. They're on Etsy at Supreme 3D Printing. All right, uh, Steve, how about the Grid Porsche 911 GT3 Cup Dash Review? Yeah, I just went over this real quick, but uh, it's, a, it's a really, really nice dash, a, a nice addition. It's too well, much. It's, it's too yeah, big. It's going to match the, the Porsche wheel they have, right? That is $2,500. Uh, looks like a really nice wheel, but has the Porsche... Um, licensing, I'm imagining, if you're getting that logo on there. And the dash is it's massive. It's 600 euros um, as well. So it is, it is a big dash. So if you need to replicate the real interior of a cockpit and you want to match it with that super expensive wheel, then, then you're going to go for this, uh, this dash, I guess. Well, Will Ford, I mean, it works on his setup. Why? Because he's got these huge, huge, huge screens. And... It, and it's it works well for his setup you know he, he's like the perfect candidate for this but for somebody like me on 27 inch triples this is blocking the main part of your view i mean you won't be able to see the hood of the car with this thing uh mounted on your wheelbase so be buyer beware i mean it is a nice unit you know he goes over in detail um everything about it he takes it apart you know and all this you can run any kind of screens you want on it you know they have the porsche replica dash as well uh, which looks really nice but like i said it, i think you need to really examine uh you know how does it block your view okay let's Did move on to uh, the, get in the price on that mike I, I didn't see a price uh, what did you say, Donnie? 600 euros? 599 yeah. euros. Yeah, I see it now. Sorry. So that's for the grid the by name, For having the Porsche name, it's not crazy expensive like the wheel is. But, uh, yeah. The other thing is when he's driving and the wheel's, you know, jostling about, it shakes a little bit because it's so big. Again, I, I think the size, it, it's too much. <laughs> Size does matter here. Maybe the mounting's not. I'm looking at the mounting, and it maybe it could be wider. Looks like it's very narrow. Just wraps around the base, uh, of the wheelbase. So maybe a wider, some posts coming off the edge to mount it to your rig, to keep from that flexing. Right. Okay, Steve. How about the new product, a Sim Racing Studio Hurricane Pro? Yeah, Sim Racing Studio announced their new Hurricane Pro Wind Simulator is now for pre-order. And it uh, looks like it's got three fans to it. And, of course, it comes with a, uh, a controller to uh, run the fans. And uh, they've got a special right now. If you order today, you can save 10% using the promo code PREORDER10 at the end of checkout. And uh, the estimated shipping on these are in December of 2022. Um, looks like a nice system. Um, I've used uh, Sim Racing Studio, some of their stuff. I've got their their uh, seat kit, which I actually pulled the uh, the vibrating um, pucks out and put them in my 
in my G5 seat, but um, I use their software, the sim racing software, and uh, I don't know, everything they put out seems like it's pretty good quality. Um, yours has two fans, right, Mike? Yeah, I do too, yeah. And do you like do you like it? Is it? I mean, does it give you realization when you're driving the car, or do you use it just mostly for cooling? You know, it, even though I have it as close to my face as you can, it it doesn't really work for cooling. It is moving the air about a little bit, but I don't know if it's cooling me. But it's more of an immersion thing of the sound of the wind of the as you're going faster the 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 volume increases so it's 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 sound it is the pressure against because the wind is kind of moving in front of your face um and so i do like it i um i i, I certainly like it uh where i would rather have it than not have it do you use it uh just in the open wheel cars or do you, you use it in uh, nascar also no all the cars it doesn't matter which car does the uh, does it matter if it's like a NASCAR? Does it, is a wind blowing different, or does it blow the same in all all the cars the same? It's pretty much the same, but you know, even if imagine going around Dover in a NASCAR, there's a lot of wind buffeting through that window and the window net, and that's kind of the sound. That sound mixing with, uh, remember, I'm running really high SPL volumes. Uh, Steve and I, we did a measurement the other night. What did I say? 105 decibel, 112. It was peaking at maybe. And so I'm running some serious volume in this room uh, with the speakers. And so that sound mixed in with that is, is what I'm getting, you know, I really like. If you're, uh, if you're qualifying at Daytona, if you stick your finger out the window, do you go faster? <laughs> a little downforce. $309 for this pro kit. So yeah, if you just want plug and play, um, they have these neat GoPro 360 sticky mounts you can add. So check it out. Well, I think, uh, Steve, you better take this one since you actually have the card. The 4090 heating issue may be solved. Yeah, they're uh, actually putting it back onto the whoever made the cables for uh, NVIDIA and the other manufacturers of the 4090 cables, it's inferior wiring. And that's why uh, they're getting the uh, issues with the cables melting. So um, I know NVIDIA right now, they, they want all their, all their cards, whether they're manufactured by them or one of the third parties, if you've got this issue to be sent back to them. Um, so they can they can study it, but I'm sure that's all the pictures I've seen with the guys' cables that are burning up. It's a, definitely a cable issue, and there's really no third-party cables out there at this point either for, for these. I know a Corsair, um, I'd contacted them because I was concerned with the PSU that I have, and uh, so they've got a special cable that goes, um, you know, goes from the 12 pin to two eight pins. Um, so it doesn't take up four slots on your PSU, but it's out of stock because I was thought, oh, I'm just going to get one of those so I don't have to worry about it instead of turning my machine off and walking around with a fire extinguisher tied to my ass all day. Okay, so uh, in layman terms, Steve, um, to understand the issue, I understand that the the it's like an adapter, the cable is, where it takes... 12 down to eight or 12 down to six or something like that, or 12 down to four. And, and the way that they, they combine those and wire them together, um, 
is shoddy. Like they use a, a small piece of foil to, to link one side to the other and that foil is failing or something. Yep. Yep. You're right. And the solder, both of them. So you're going to be buying that cable when it's available. Is that your plan? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm definitely worried about it. I mean, I've been fortunate so far, but yeah, I've been, I, I'm on their waiting list and I've looked everywhere. Actually there's, I found a place in, uh, I don't know. I was in Europe somewhere that had had a couple of the cables, but they won't ship to the U.S. So I don't know how long it's going to be before any uh, manufacturers besides Corsair will come out with some some decent cables, or if an Nvidia is going to have a recall and uh, you know, or send out new cables, or what they're going to do at this point. How, how does so Nvidia, this, how does Nvidia not catch this on their end? I don't know. You know, it could, it could be, it, I mean, it could be guys running, you know, shoddy power units too. I mean, it's not necessarily just the cable, but maybe they're, they're running a PSU that's, you know, only running 600 Watts. Maybe it's heating up this cable because there's not enough wattage to run the whole computer. I, I mean, they, they really don't know at this point, they just know that it's a cable. So, um, that you know the wattage could be could be the issue i mean mine does mine looks fine i i don't see any issues but still in the back of my mind do you ever touch it see if it gets hot at all yeah i open up the case even while it's running and touch it and it, it's not hot at all and you're you have like fourteen thousand watt one right <laughs> yeah i've got a 1200 watt corsair so oh. yeah i've got yeah, i've got plenty of plenty of wattage for it that's probably why you're okay then yeah, so I, I, yeah, I hope so. Man, it'd be great to know with these cables up, they'd actually give you the details on, on what, what the system is and maybe pinpoint it to that. It could be that simple. Yeah, that'd help a bunch. So I want to point out, you know, when you buy a product that's brand new like this that hasn't been tested, vetted, benchmarked, you know, you're one of the first to buy. I mean, this is kind of a risk that you're taking, like, oh, something – something's up, you know, the, the cable is bad or you know, maybe defective or whatever the situation is. Do you wish you might have waited, uh, Steve, maybe six months and, and see how things shake out before you bought it? Well, originally I was going to wait, but then, you know, with all the NVIDIA stuff, you're afraid you can't get anything. And, and uh, you know, I didn't think I was going to get a card that first day. So, I mean, I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, I'm happy with it. But I, I can definitely see an issue. I've got some nice Corsair uh, black full-size PC cases. And, uh, you know, even as big as that card is and where that cable plugs into the side of the card, it, you know, if you've got a little case, I mean, you're going to have trouble not bending that that cable to keep the door closed in your case. So that could be a, I mean, that could be an issue right there. You know, the guys are bending it. Maybe that crappy uh soldering and and uh foil foil that they have in there maybe that's what's creating the issue i don't know mine has a, at least it has enough room to have a decent loop so i don't i'm not having to bend that cable or stress the stress the wires inside the connector okay donnie how about the white v3 with mpi seat yeah wr1 sim racing offers their clean looking white v3 sim racing rig and it's ready uh race ready with an MPI seat included. And per their website, looks like this guy's $9,100. Give some of the details. So for the hardware, so it comes race ready, 9100 
it comes race ready. Does have that Samsung 49 ultra wide uh, monitor, uh, the Fanatec Podium DD1, Fanatec V3 pedals, uh, the Uni Fanatec Universal Hub, uh, the 14 inch um, MPI wheel. And it comes with some other stuff. What I see when I see this rig, uh, I saw this several times when I was researching rigs, and I, I like the look of it. I like how it's different. Not very customizable, though. That's probably why most uh, I, I went away from it. But um, I can see this being like, remember that cafe story we had several months back? I can see a rig like this going there because it comes with mount uh, speakers. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the hardware. The hardware is a big selling point for me, and it doesn't hit hit the right notes where do you put the gear shift where do you put the the, the brake where do you put the mouse the keyboard the computer computer looks like it's up front in front of the pedals okay but you're right they don't show a picture of the right side to see if there's a a shifter attached to it i don't think there is no, there's not not one listed in the product description, and they have, you know, Fanatec wheels and wheelbase, or not wheel, but wheelbase and pedals. It's actually an MPI. It's actually a nice wheel, but um, it doesn't list that there's an H pattern with it from from Fanatec or anybody else. So you're kind of stuck with paddle shifting, I guess. Yeah, there's another picture on their website. You can see the right side, and there's no nothing for a, a shifter. And I don't know that you could use triples on this, could you? Nah, not the way it's set up, I wouldn't think. Not to have an independent stand, most likely. I like the seat, though. Seat's really nice. So when COVID hit and NASCAR was doing iRacing, there were several NASCAR drivers that picked up this particular rig. I think even, I think it was Dale Jr. bought a couple of them, um, actually. But I think he's based out of uh, South Carolina, and so there's a local connection there. Um, to me, it's a little overpriced, but he's selling a package, you know, to people that don't want to take the time to put it together themselves. You know, hey, uh, you know, kind of like Sim Coaches was talking last week, turnkey package. We, you know, we deliver it, we set it up, everything, one price. Yeah, why wouldn't you get the Sim Coach for that price? It's a little bit more, but you're getting their, you know, super high-end pedals, um, you know, better better computer specs. 80 20 uh, 80-20 rig, so you can uh, customize it more. Yeah, I mean, at the, if you're if you're investing this much, um, I, I don't see why you wouldn't spend just a little bit more to get a, a, a much better product from uh, sim coaches. Yeah, they uh, bolt on that uh, the SimiCube uh, Pro as well. I, the only thing I'm seeing here that I'm jealous of is the seat. Um, other than that, I, I don't know. The V3 pedals is, is a reach if you're going to charge somebody 9100 bucks and then you're going to give them those pedals. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I can see um, a, a business buying buying these and throwing them in their lobby somewhere because the no-shifter part, that's a that's a deal-breaker, obviously. But, um, yeah, that's odd. I think they actually sponsored uh, Dale's um, Coca-Cola or a Coke series, uh, one of his cars, Conti's car, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Conti's. But man, the the shifter part's a little disappointing because you bolt on an oval wheel here, but you don't have a. Sh I don't know. Okay, Brian, how about the BenQ 27 inch, 240 hertz monitor? 
Yeah, so uh, this is actually a pre-order that you can pre that you can uh, order right now. It's a BenQ 27 inch 240 hertz monitor setup. Um, you know, it's uh, running 7.99, I believe, and it's uh, uh, it's a it's a really good monitor for triples. Um, so really, really good monitor that's coming out. Um, the 240 hertz is going to be like super quick. Um, and 1440 yeah, at 1440. Yeah, so it's going to be a beautiful looking monitor. Um, so yeah, the, it's a it's a good one. It's coming out soon. You can uh, pre-order it. I have I regret. I have regret that I didn't get for 1440. I have a 1080p monitors, and I regret that. I wish from the company. So bezel for me, bezel width is super important for my ASUS monitors. I mean, it's it's fractional on the side. So when these companies display their monitors, you got to get away from those dark images so I can see your bezel to see if it's going to work with triples. I can't have, you know, quarter-inch bezels. But it um, looks like these might be thin, but, I mean, mine are barely a sixteenth, a sixteenth inch wide, and it took me forever to find the right monitors for me. Uh, not everybody's the same, but um, less bevel, the better. Bezel, what, sorry, bezel. What refresh rate are you and Mike using? Honestly, I have no clue. I think it's a 60. I bought the cheapest uh, 27s I could get. They're Asus, but they're cheap. I might no, be 144. This, I'm not sure. I don't know. This monitor has the right specs, but now that you mentioned the bezel, it looks kind of thick to me. Um, and I don't see any spec on the bezel, but all the other specs are good, like one millisecond, um, 1440p, 240 hertz, 27 inch. Hey, you think by now they could make uh, monitors like they can a phone or an iPad, you know, where they're like they're rounded. There's no edge on them. If you go now, to... last, I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say last year I bought a fourth monitor um, for up as well, but um, they didn't sell the the same one I had from before. So I got the new version and the bezel is razor thin. I mean, it really is. And so at some point I might upgrade and get three more of those. Didn't you get the uh, the things that went between the bezels, Mike, at one time? Do you still use I those? Did. It didn't work out for me. I ended up selling that. They always fall off, and I couldn't get them lined up because the bezels on my triples are too thick for that device. The, that device is supposed to be for a very specific monitor with a very specific bezel width. And, and mine are like triple the width of the, the one that was listed. Listening to what you're just, you're describing your fourth monitor as, it could be what I have, and I think that bezel kit is for your fourth monitor because those right, are it's gotta super thin. Got to be for thin. really thin yeah. bezels, yeah. I'm looking at one of the images on the website for this monitor, and it shows the back panel, and it shows that the arm is taken off, and it's just a render, uh, granted, but I don't see any screw holes to mount, like if you wanted to mount this to a to a triple setup. No visa mounts. That's a deal killer. Yeah, it's a render, though. Who knows? What oh, you know what? I bet that back bracket where that attaches, that square thing there, it might pull off. Yeah, a couple images over. If you look, it shows it without it, and it doesn't show any uh, screw mounting holes at all. But again, be surprised it's a, it's if a there render. weren't any. Yeah. What if I'm cruising the sites, and I'm looking, and I see this, and I'm like, ah, no screw holes next, and I go to the next one? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There doesn't look like there is any. That's crazy. Okay, so I'm moving on to the next one. I got 
I call this the, the semi-cube pedal, active pedal aftermath. And of course, there's forum posts in the forums about this new technology. Um, and David Tucker, who's with staff, who specializes in controllers, he put down some thoughts here that I want to kind of review. Um, number one, let the user define a static profile for their pedals and let them tweak the feel and throw of each pedal without messing around with springs, dampers, and stop. And, and so um, the pedal software grabs what car the player is driving from telemetry and lets the player map a predefined profile to each car so the pedals will change from car to car. Let the pedal software run canned effects based on limited telemetry from the games. Allow game developers to directly set their own profiles based on real life info from the car. The player should always be able to override this with their own profile if they so choose. Allow the game developer to send high frequency effects to the pedals that play on top of the static profile. This would mirror part or all of the LFE slash true force effects so you can feel the engine vibrate and so on. This is a step above number three in that it can be tweaked by each developer to better match the game or to use internal data not available to telemetry. Number six, allow game developers to dynamically change the profile as time progresses. This is where we could add in break fade by slowly moving points around on the profile as the race wears on. Number seven, Go all in and allow the game developer full control over the pedal so they can actively control the feedback loop. He says everything up through stage three is probably already implemented and mostly rest on SemiCube's shoulders to implement for all games. Stage four is not technically hard, but it can't, but there would be a lot of bookkeeping to implement on the game developer's side. We would need to dig up information about the physics pedals for each and every car we ever made. In a lot of cases, we could not go back and touch the real car again to measure pedal force or throw if we don't have that information. Going forward, of course, it's just a matter of coming up with a simple rig to test the pedals and recording that profile. Stage five is probably not that hard to implement. We have seen wheels moving towards high frequency effects for a while now, like the Logitech True Force effect. Once a game supports one of these effects, it's relatively easy to redirect part or all of them onto the pedals. Stage six would allow us to model flow changes, changing events such as brake fade or the loss of brake fluid pressure without having to fully implement a proper feedback loop. Stage seven is the dream, but that would take significant effort on our end and all game developers as well to implement. We would need to make a new dynamic physics model for the pedals and update it fast enough so we can accurately simulate motion in real time. I'm not even sure if it's possible. So that's a lot to to eat. What do you guys think um, about? I think David Tucker said what I was trying to say before that this product opens up some new possibilities. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I've really enjoyed all the all the uh, feedback, not only on iRacing but on uh, on. Uh, their discord channel too um everybody talking about you know di different developments that this can make but without without the uh the racing game i racing um being able to to make those changes i don't know that these pedals are going to make that big of a difference from what we already have 
that's my concern unless they're added you know like david tucker says at a later time that's what i would like to see is for them for the iRacing the title to let's program you know default brake profiles for each car you know and have them auto load into the pedal and and maybe this can be a standard well you know i don't know if it's a standard but you know do other pedal manufacturers you know get on board and make something similar yeah i hope i hope it does i mean it could open up a whole you know a whole new industry as far as pedals uh, pedals go but if it, it probably depends if the other sim sim developers are are going to do the same thing too you know r factor and all the corset corsair whatever they are that are around yeah i don't see iRacing doing it just for this particular model make model but if there were other make models you know that supported it and there are multiple ones like for example true force you know logitech came up with true force you know iRacing had to implement that they had to you know have developers spend hours to implement it you know and and so this is kind of along those lines i would think yeah i imagine there's no reason if because i'm sure logitech is the one that de- i mean they developed that so they probably had the coding to give die racing so that that feedback would come back through the wheels i've never tried the that the logitech feedback to feel true force to see what it feels feels like but if uh and i don't i don't know with well i guess the software that that uh, SimuCube's developing that maybe they will be able to implement that in die racing. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. I was going to, I am throwing some money aside to, to save for a set of these pedals, but I don't know. I may wait to see what everybody thinks instead of jumping on board right away. Okay. And then another uh, related, uh, but related to the wheels, the SimuCube, SimuCube wheel I found in the forums, or excuse me, in Facebook, uh, Mike Tikala, and apparently he's uh, somebody in the know. He says, we are still working on some things that might affect safety. Direct input effects scales will be wrong for old firmware versions, especially damping and friction. So we will need to make sure that the old version users do not get unexpected things happening if they apply a profile that has been published with the new version. We'll need a few more days of testing still. Now, what he's referring to is the question, anyone know when the new True Drive release is hitting? Just saying up, upcoming, it looks like a lot of update. So as they said, when they released the pedal, they're going to release software, firmware for the wheels that's going to implement some of these things into the wheel. So it sounds like that's coming sooner rather than later is what it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like all their development for the wheel is coming through what they've learned through the pedals, too. You know, are they going to be able to add that high frequency stuff to give, uh, you know, uh, a vibration effect through the the wheel? That's going to be awesome. Yeah, they should be able to use haptics through it, just like uh, they do through any of the other motors. All right, Brian, how about build your own flag display? Yeah, so uh, this came from Rise Sim Engineering. It's posted on their their, uh, page here. Looks like it's a, is this an Instagram or is this Twitter? Um, Anyway, what they're selling is a DIY do-it-yourself version of a a flag display, you know, like an 
bag thing. It's a digital file that you'd be buying. Um, it's really fairly inexpensive, but again, you're going to have to get all the uh, extra parts to make it work. So it is on Instagram. I apologize. Um, and uh, yeah, so if, if you have the uh, the skills, I, pr I imagine you're going to need a 3D printer uh, to do this and you'll need to buy all the uh, LED matrix uh, strips and uh, they will show you how to make it based on all that stuff. So um, these flags are really cool. I actually really like those. I have one. Um, I find myself peeking outside of my VR headset to look at it once in a while, but it's it's not necessary for the driver in my case. It's for for the people watching the driver. But um, but yeah, these are cool, and uh, this this might be an inexpensive way for you to make one on your own. Yeah, I might give it a go. I fired up my 3D printer this week for the first time in a while, and I cranked out a bunch of stuff. So motivated. I might actually give this a go. I'm I'm curious. I want an iFlag system, but I I'm not liking. I, I like this fourteen ninety nine price to get the get the files and see if it's something I can accomplish. So I might I might actually give this one a go. And if I do, I'll keep you guys updated. Only fifteen bucks for the plans. All right, I got the next one. We have the Thrustmaster T one twenty eight wheel kit review by Barry at Sim Racing Garage. And you know, God bless Barry, you know, for keeping a straight face. <laughs> when he touches this tiny, tiny, tiny wheel. I watched the whole review, you know, and him, I mean, he takes everything apart, but he was, you know, the way Barry is, he was pretty impressed with, you know, some of the things on that wheel. Um, you know, one was the, uh, was the, uh, the uh, buttons. He said he had a super good feeling when he took them apart. They had like this latex with the, with little black, something in there that gave it that uh good tactile feel and he also said that the uh, paddle shifters were really high quality and magnetic and he was even surprised with the uh that the pedals were halfway decent um he said for a low-end wheel um he said an entry into you know somebody wanted to try try sim racing for 200 bucks he uh, definitely thought it it had some potential there i think the drinking game word was plastic so take a shot if he says the word plastic. Oh, big hunk of plastic. That's what he said. <laughs> You're right. I remember him saying that. That's a title idea. Uh, that's funny. But um, yeah. But seriously though, I really give uh, Barry a lot of kudos uh, for he. You know, he went through the same process on this two hundred dollar wheel and pedal set that he would for a two thousand dollar wheel and pedal set. You know, he didn't cut any corners. He gave it a fair, a fair assessment, and uh, you know. Yeah, the dude. The dude has tried all of the most high-end, the super specialized equipment out there, but he's still willing to to do a review on a product like this. That's obviously you know made for a very entry-level type of situation, and uh, and take it seriously and do all of the uh, due diligence, uh, given a solid review on it. Yeah, I mean, for somebody that's wanting to get into sim racing, I mean, when I did it, I did it on a computer that had a the graphics was built into the chip and, you know, I bought the Logitech wheel and, you know, that's what got my interest peaked. And I ran that for a long time until I started, I decided, you know, I wanted to do this as much as I do and spend the money. But I think it's a, I think it's a good entry, entry wheel for $200 shoot better than a, 
you know, a Xbox controller that I think some guys were using in the race this weekend that had 38 yellow flag laps. Brian, you got the Quest Pro review. Yeah, so we did talk about this. This is the Meta, or formerly um, Oculus, uh, Quest Pro. Uh, we talked about how um, how it came out um, and uh, some of the features on it. And Road to VR we, uh, posted a review that we, we have linked on our uh, website here that you can check out. Um, and uh, their, their conclusions were kind of what we said just from looking at the specs, that, uh, yes, it does have um, – uh, the the uh, while the resolution is the same, the picture is a little clearer because it has better lenses in it. Um, but um, their their big thing was the price tag, fifteen hundred dollar headset, and uh, I don't I didn't even see them mention the battery life, which was one of the things we really really talked about. Um, so it it might it might be good for uh certain situations like um you know meta wants to go more with this headset being you know for meetings and things like that and uh not necessarily gearing it towards the game community anymore for this headset anyway so um so while you can game with it and the controllers are a little nicer um it's just it's just not idea for what we do for sure and the price is just way too high if that's what you're getting it for so uh yeah so that's that's pretty much what they uh how they summed it up and it's kind of kind of what we were saying in our review ourselves yeah i think zucker clock or whatever his name is he's he just hoping corporations buy up you know a couple thousand of these at a time and hand them out to their workers well too with the pass-through cameras i know they either color where the other the old oculus was black and white at least the oculus 2 or whatever i had but um i know people said that you still can't you know read your phone with it which is kind of a shame and uh, he did say it was it had the best sweet spot of any of the uh, vr goggles that he's used and uh, the visuals and the artifacts were were cleared up so i mean there's some pluses about it and there's they've got three cameras on the controllers um but i mean for i mean it said the audio was better too but i think for uh, another eleven hundred dollars or whatever it is it's a lot of money to spend at, at this time yeah as a yeah for an upgrade from the the regular quest too um so yeah they're all good points steve and like i said it, to me it just seems like that Meta and Quest are starting to go more like a mixed reality, more than a uh, than a strict virtual reality, where where you can use it for for those type of uh, applications. And that's why they're that's why they're really uh, trying to uh, make the pass through mode uh, higher end stuff like that, so you can use it and interact with the real world and mix the virtual with it. And I think that's what they're they're really gearing this headset towards. Yep, I think you're dead on right there. All right, a couple quick hits here. Uh, Track Racer has their Black Friday sale starting at 15% off on all their products. Uh, the next one was ASR Advanced Sim Racing uh, Pro. We talked about that unit. That, that's the 80-20. They had the flat sides where you could put decal it or whatever. Um, that is going on pre-order, and they are offering a 10% discount. The other Black Friday is uh advanced sim racing is doing 15 percent off all their stuff uh all month long for black friday 
for this one though, it is, I had to read this one twice because um, I got some more stuff to buy, but it's 10% off for advanced sim racing if you use the code Black Friday 2022 and they bump it up to 15% with a minimum purchase of uh, 15 or uh, Canadian or 1200 um, um, US dollars. So that's oh. essentially uh, an ASR6 for them. So it's 10% off everything. And then if you essentially buy a rig, they'll get an additional 5% on, on top of that. Okay. And, and uh, the more... SR Pro, Go ahead. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to mention that SR Pro is, uh, they, they mentioned that this is a a, a no obligation pre-order. So it, just because you pre-order doesn't mean you're locked in if you change your mind or something like that before it's released. I'd pick the ASR6 over that Pro though. All right, one more quick one. Uh, Lawrence from Sim Coaches put out a video like he always does. Uh, this one, why did he use SimiCube direct drive wheels? And and this is so timely for both Donnie and me. Donnie, tell us where you're at with your SimiCube Pro, 2 Pro. Uh, I bolted it up right away when I when I built the rig last week, but it's been sitting. I've been busy, uh, but I actually uh, built some profiles last night on TrueDrive, the software. And I, I drove a couple laps, wasn't comfortable with uh, my seating position and, and where the wheelbase sat. So I've made some adjustments today, but I'm really not going to get into it till, till Monday. But um, I did fire it up. I did. Uh, I, I think I sent you a link today. I looked at Dan Suzuki's uh, iRacing and SimiCube settings, and I set my wheel to that as a baseline starting point on where I want to go. Uh, but he's a he's a road racer, so I don't know how much that is for oval. Maybe I'll try to search some oval ones. But with True Drive, I noticed you can look at uh, you can actually download a t um, user profiles that they upload to it. So maybe you can actually type in the type of car you're driving, uh, the service that you're on, and then it'll give you um, various results on who's actually uploaded profiles, and you can try those out as well. But um, speaking of with Lawrence on SimiCube, he actually used to use VRS, and then he strictly went. Uh, to SimiCube, he he considers them the best wheels uh, that you can get currently. Um, you know, within within range, there's there's some crazy ones out there you can get. Um, but yeah, so we'll see uh, what he comes up with um, when he comes out with his wheel next year. Yeah, and it's nice to hear from somebody else. It kind of validates the choice that we made when we and, bought this wheel. And. I think I told you in the group chat, and I'm I was thrown off when I was researching this and the the AccuForce and a couple of the other ones about the quick the the quick release, and it, to me it looked goofy, and it didn't make sense. I mean, it makes sense as the pin, but watching Barry's review of it and how impressed he was with it, and at first he was taken back by by the quick release as well, but um, I was actually researching a way to get rid of it and to put my own quick release on. But once I put theirs on, it is rock solid. I don't know if you've done it yet, but it there is. There's zero, I mean, there shouldn't be any movement, but it's crazy. There's no play. The minimal design in it and how rock steady this thing is. It's a very simple quick release, yeah. I was. I put the quick releases on yesterday on both wheels, and I was impressed, to tell you the truth. Um, they're 60 bucks each, which I thought, wow, that's a lot. But um, And it's just a couple pieces of metal, really, but... Uh, and some screws, but it works. And uh, I haven't turned it on as far as mine goes. I spent the day working on it. I tore out the DD1. I did get the new mount in. I uh, put the, the base on it. Uh, as expected, it's too far away. Um, it's a much smaller 
um, throw than the DD1 has is between the base and the wheel. Uh, the distance there, or the quick release is much smaller, I guess is the way to say it. And so the wheel is farther back than I'd hoped. Instead of uh, rearranging the entire rig, I decided, well, I'm just going to move the pedals back. So I loosened the pedals and the computer tray and basically moved them back about an inch. Now, I haven't really tried it yet, but I think I got it in the, a position that's going to work. Right before the show, I installed the button box and the, the phone mount. Uh, I haven't lined them up, but uh, by the end of tonight, I should be up and running and uh, hopefully going to run the race tomorrow. I will I will ask you a question about the e-stop um, mount. Why on earth did they not come with an option to mount that thing? That's ridiculous. You know, considering this is supposed to be the best base out there, you're right. I mean, there's no way to mount it, at, at least on the Fanatec e-stop. It had a hole in the bottom of it where I ran a zip tie around it, and I actually zip tied it to my rig. That's how I mounted that one. Well, this one has nothing. There's no holes. There's there, there's there, no way to mount it. There is. You have to take off the yellow portion and then screw oh. through the back on the inside. Um, I took that apart and looked. So the mount I'll, I'll, I'll send you is or I'll, I'll bring to you is is essentially you have to mount it flush to the back of the unit itself. I just thought it was on. And then I was looking up the, the unit itself, and that's a very generic uh, e-stop case that uh, I've been seeing through Amazon. If you want to look through a little like electronic controller uh, casings. Um, so, yeah. Other than that, the wheel's fantastic. I'm uh, just a little disappointed in that. I was going to show you something here, Mike, on the camera. You can get extensions for the wheel um, for the quick release. That's what I've done with mine because I like the wheel right up close cool. to me. So you can get these on Amazon. They work really well. They make different lengths. Okay. That's pretty so cool. Keep that in mind. I think I got it where I need it. I mean, it wasn't too far off. Um, I, I think it was, I just needed an inch or so. And my boy was making fun of me for the pen that it uses. And then the other night, he was showing me that the 87 cars, at least the one he has, he has the Chevy. He zoomed in on the steering column, and there's a pin that goes through the middle of the the steering shaft that holds the holds the wheel on. So he, that's good. Yeah, he took it back, and he's like, "All right, you can have your wheel with the pin on it." Okay, we're gonna jump to results. The NASCAR iRacing Series Friday Open Martinsville. See if you can uh, find a pattern here. Steven Llewellyn, broken toe link, eight minutes damage. Kyle, broken toe link, eight minutes damage. Tom Dryling, broken toe link, eight minutes damage. All right, and I finished P10. I got involved in some wrecks that were not my doing, including getting completely ass-packed uh, well after the caution came out, including getting spun after around sideways and stopped for no yellow. Uh, came out with over five minutes damage and I was three laps down. I waited for those lucky dogs and they eventually happened and I got to the lead lap. Then I got the dreaded drive-through penalty on that first green-white checker. On the second green-white checker, I got the lucky dog. So on the final restart, I just held on uh, from P11. One guy got a black flag. Uh, that put me to the top 10. Man, I'll take it after a very, very tough Martinsville week. That's uh, a great finish. I'll take it. Steve, how about your Sunday open? Yeah, this is one I was talking about earlier. Uh, the first 38 laps, there wasn't one green flag lap. 
Um, and uh, I just, I ended up just pulling on the pits. I couldn't take it any longer. I was <laughs> gonna kill myself. So anyways, that was it for the week for me at Martinsville. That's great. Man, I didn't, I didn't even try fix. I'm like, no way. All right. And after a week like that, OBRL would have had a one point uh, DQ limit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's the right, problem uh, with Martinsville? Why can't people drive it? I think I think it was I think the biggest problem was is they they never on in mine they never got the tires warmed up where they had any grip you know the tires were cold and they wanted to slide and I mean it, it was the same thing going into turn turn one I mean it was just crash after crash after crash is ridiculous all right so we have the finale uh, Wednesday open Phoenix full distance race I totally forgot until we got to like Monday I'll start out with Tom Dryling, pretty much P4 all night, but got shuffled at the end. Steven Llewellyn, wrecked out. Me, P1, I took the win. Started P20. I quickly made it up to fourth by the end of the first run. Then a long green flag run. Then I went to short pit. Caution came out while I was on pit road. I was able to come back around and beat the leaders before they got off pit road and maintain the lead. I marched on, uh, basically ran top three from there. Most of the night ended up, uh, yeah, ran top three most of the night. I ended up not leading the most laps, but I think I was second lead, uh, as far as leading the most laps. So I thought I had, but when I looked after the race, the guy who ran the first uh, stint actually led the most. Uh, he had a problem. If he wouldn't have had a problem, I don't think I would have won this race. Um, but once he had a problem, I, I kind of took over from there. Um, I had a really hard fight at it for the end. Uh, one guy uh, was able to stay within one second of me the whole way on the last run. But it stayed green, and I did take home the win. That was my 87th career win. That's four for me this year. Bristol Dirt, New Atlanta, Charlotte Roval, and now the Phoenix finale. You better pull that uh golden horseshoe out of your butt and save it for next year <laughs> well, i'll tell you what before the last run i was pulling away i was gapping the field one second lead two second lead three second lead i was calling it out at one point i had a six second lead if it would have stayed green you know i would have been golden but even though it didn't stay green and i had multiple restarts i had to deal with i still you know pulled it off uh, i can't believe it i I was shaking like a leaf after that race. I mean, I was wobbling. Uh, I was at a pain in my neck. I don't know if I was tweaking my head one way or the other, but uh, man, I, I dug deep to get that win. And man, I feel really, really proud of it. That's awesome. Great finish. Nice job, Mike. Great year. I mean, the points, I, I ended up on the uh, 23rd in points. Now this, the year's not over till Sunday morning. But it looks, I'm gonna, looks like I'm going to make 23rd in points. I definitely made the first page of the standings, which was my goal. I was 26th in points before this win. So it definitely uh, did what it needed to do to get me my goal. Um, all right, uh, Donnie, tell us about David's night. Yeah, so David, he uh, he won. He started mid-pack. Uh, was slowly creeping up into the top 10, and he horribly missed uh, his pit stall. And all the way back to the back of the pack, he worked his way 
back eventually this third. On a restart, uh, the leader spun the tires, which caused a weird chain reaction that resulted in me not getting told by my spotter coming back on the track from the dog leg that it was three wide. Plus, Netcode and I got knocked down low, but gathered up, and he's around 25th at this point. Then there's a big wreck uh, right in front of him, creeping through it. Still, one of them rolls into my left rear. Uh, one minute of damage fixed eventually. I tell myself there's still more time than the A open race. Caution comes with 62 to go, and I s say this is in my favor. With 10 to go, the leader is three and a half seconds ahead of me, uh, but they fade hard on the, with the last 10 laps. He led the last five uh, to take a second win of the season, his 150th overall. Uh, so, yeah, we got two wins in the Phoenix finale this week. Good job, Team Tifosi. Well, I mean, David's accomplishment is much better than mine. I mean, he's in a, a split much higher. He's in the high 3,000s, uh, you know, 4,000 split, somewhere in that range. You know, I came in and watched the end of David's race. I saw the last couple laps. There's some heavy hitters in there. I mean, there are some fast guys. And, and David is a, a talent, I tell you what, I mean. You look at his win count there, 150. I mean, I am at 87. I mean, he's almost double what I got. So, you know, David is a leader on this team. He's got the pretty much the highest I rating, I think. Uh, maybe not, uh, Adam might have one as well, about that high, but uh, he's our leader. And uh, congratulations, David, um, you deserve it. You are a winner and you continue to get it done. Enjoy your chicken dinner, sir. And another thing about David was, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago where he was uh, he was down in the dumps because he had been dumping some guy rating with uh, a lot of uh, some bad bad luck. But um, man, he really bumped it up towards the end of the season and and really knocked it out of the park. And uh, just really his his guy rating went right back up. All right, next up, I'm going to tell you what I do for fun when I'm not running NIS. I run hosted, and that's Chris McGuire uh, over the weekends. Uh, first up, it was the rough Porsche with the 87s at Talladega. Came from the back to the front, then got wrecked on the caution. Then came back to the front again, was leading on the white, and got dumped for the win, P4. Gen 5 at Talladega next, started at the back. Uh, went to the front twice, but got wrecked out near the end. Then we did Gen 5 at iRacing Super Speedway, started 18th, P4. Then it was the IndyCar DW12 at Michigan. Really fun racing up front, like three wide uh, for the leads, several laps in a row before we all wrecked. Um, super fun pack racing there. Next was supercars at Michigan. I was in the lead pack going into green flag stops. I came off pit road leading the race and some fool who didn't pit for gas runs out. He decides he's gonna park it right at the exit of pit road as it comes out onto the back stretch. Well, it's only one lane right there without getting a, a black flag, you know, for going over the blue cone. Um, and I couldn't squeak by and uh, basically wrecked as the leader and everyone right behind me wrecked as well. It destroyed the race. He got kicked out too at the hosted event. Uh, and then later 87 at Talladega wrecked out. Hey, let's jump to final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Yeah, so uh, I've been putzing around with some more AI this week because I didn't really want to do any Martinsville racing. So, um, yeah, I'm still 
having a good i had a good time with that I had a couple of decent races um so it's kind of fun you do still get that robotic feel of when you're in in these races a little bit so that's the only downside that i really feel um the cars kind of um do some dumb things every once in a while that that make no sense so uh so it's not exactly spot on perfect it's fun for um you know it's it's good like you would do mike with your practices you know to get some practice racing with other cars around you it's really good for that um you know like i said i'm still going to try running out just doing a, a short little arca series of races um with with points and all that just to see how just see how it works out during the all season but that's all i'm uh, really doing right now i'm looking forward to the obrl starting their winter uh, uh cup series which is going to start and on in at nights now on sundays so they went from sunday mornings which was really hard for me to do to sunday nights so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna do those races when they start up next week and uh and go from there i i really i really like to do a full obrl um metro ford cup ser series next year and with the time change it's a lot more dealable for me than than it was before all right very good donnie spiker final thoughts uh, not much. Haven't raced in a, about a week, uh, maybe two weeks. Um, finally finished putting the, the ASR6 together. Um, it's a rock solid rig. I can't. It's, it's actually fascinating how how much there's no movement. There's zero movement in this rig. Um, getting uh, getting the SimiCube bolted on here as well. Um, yeah, hoping uh, Monday night I can start start racing again, and uh, we'll go from there. Hopefully, I enjoy the weekend out out in Phoenix. But um, I need to get this thing going. I need to get get racing. It's been weird having two weeks off. Hey, Donnie, uh, did you see their uh, Black Friday deals for ASR? Yeah, Mike mentioned if there's some things I need to pick up that I'm gonna that I'm gonna probably squeak in. And plus, they're free shipping, and I don't think I pay tax when I we buy from them. But uh, yeah, so I'll be picking up some more things. Hey, Greg Hector's final thoughts. Hold on, I gotta go check on something. Sorry, Mike. No, that's all right. You got kids. I hear them. Steve Thompson, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much going on. Uh, just a lot at work. So hopefully I'm going to race tomorrow night at uh, Phoenix and hopefully over the weekend. I love that track. So anyways, um, that's about it. Nothing more. Okay. My final thoughts, man. Did I think I was going to win an NIS race on the last race of my Fanatec DD1? I didn't. Did it almost cost me the race? Yeah, it, it turned off seven, eight times during the event. Uh, sometimes it would, I would lose spots because it would turn off, and I would, you know, the wheel would go side, side to side because I wasn't ready for it, and I would veer off track and lose a spot. So I'm glad it didn't cost me the race, but it's still a little odd winning with the wheel that I'm literally discarding. Um, and that's the really the next thing is what am I going to do with it? You know, uh, I don't want to sell it to anybody I know to pass on the problem to somebody, you know. And so I think it cost a fortune to ship it somewhere, I'm sure. So I think I'm going to try to sell it locally to a stranger uh, for maybe half price what it normally costs. That's what I'm I'm guessing I'll, I'll start with. Um, try to recover a little money uh, that I spent on the SimiCube really happy with it i'm really kind of surprised how much smaller it is physically but man is it heavy it's like a it's like picking up a, a huge granite stone or something 
Um, it is so heavy. Uh, what else? Looking forward to getting it all together and, and seeing what it feels like where you don't have play in the wheel. I don't think I've ever had uh, a wheel that doesn't have play in it. So I'm really looking forward to it. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.